Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and tonight we're joined by Dr. Jesse Liang. Dr. Jesse Liang graduated with a master's in dentistry from La Trobe University. He previously lived in Bendigo, where he treated dental patients in regional Victoria. He enjoyed all aspects of dentistry, having a special interest in oral health education, teaching, research, children's dentistry, and gum treatment. He has also previously been involved in dental volunteering programs in rural Vietnam. Outside of dentistry, Jesse is the host and founder of Odonto Jam and enjoys playing guitar, recording music, and running. Dr. Jesse Liang, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. It's uh, thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be on. <laughs> uh, so, you previously did a bachelor's degree in urban planning in Melbourne Uni back in 2012. Um, what kind of compelled you to go from there into dentistry? Yeah, well, I guess. Uh, at 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just kind of picked up the VTAC guide and chose architecture, urban planning and design. Um, kind of got to the end of that degree and didn't really feel like uh, I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. Uh, at the same time, I was working part-time. My mum is a dental prosthetist and she had a dental clinic. So I was actually working part-time, um, making special trays, pouring up impressions, wax rooms. And I actually applied to dental tech school um, to, to do the diploma in dental technology. And it was actually mum who said, um, oh, hey, Jess, you know, I think, I think you might actually find dentistry more fulfilling. And uh, mums kind of have this thing where they've, you know, they kind of know a bit more about yourself than you do at that, at that age. And uh, so I actually took her advice. And then I applied, um, applied for dentistry from there. Uh, I didn't get in the first time, actually. But I sat the UMAT and, um, yeah, didn't do too well. It's uh, not really a test you can study for. And you have to read really quickly. And I'm a bit of a slow reader. So I uh, didn't do too well in that. But I then did a, a year of general health science and then um, just studied, studied hard, kept grades up and then transferred across to dentistry. So that's kind of how I found myself from yeah, urban planning, urban planning to dentistry. Don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, you did better than me. I, I did it like at least two, three times before I got in. So I guess, yeah, well, well, we're lucky here in Australia, you know, there's more than one way to get one way to get there. So lucky for people like us, I guess. <laughs> So tell us about your CPD journey so far. I mean, you've only just graduated recently. Yeah. So it's about um, at the end of this year will be, will be two years. Uh, and you kind of picked up a lot of CPD um, over the last um, 18 months. Uh, I've, the first one I did actually coming out of uh, um, graduating was a surgical extraction course that was with uh, ARIA. So the Australasian Restorative and Implant Academy. And that's because, you know, in university, as, as you know, we don't actually get a lot of surgical extraction experience. So I kind of just wanted something to get confidence up to help troubleshooting when, you know, the palatal or distal root breaks of that one six. Uh, so I did that course and it's a live patient course as well. So you got to bring a patient in and then do the treatment uh, itself. So I found that was, that was really helpful early on just to have that increasing confidence boost. And def- since then, uh, you know, it's de- definitely helped a lot, especially in those trickiest, trickiest situations. Um, that was really great because it was hands-on as well, as well as live patient. Uh, I then started doing a bit of a orthodontics. So I'm doing progressive orthodontic seminars, I'm more just over halfway 
uh, doing that course at the moment, which is really good because, again, in university, although it's hardly, it's like non-existent, uh, as, as I'm sure you remember. Uh, so it's really good to get that extra extra knowledge that we didn't get going through university. Um, and also uh, I'm doing, with the Dental X Group, they run a program called the ACE program, which stands for Accelerated Clinical Excellence. And that's a more general degree that covers all aspects of dentistry, endodontics, um, surgical extractions, again, uh, direct composites, aesthetic, aesthetic dentistry, treatment planning, indirect restorations. Uh, and that's a year-long program that's still, still actually going um, that I'm doing as well. Uh, so that's, um, that's kind of been like the, yeah, the initial part of dentistry. And I've done um, some communication ones as well uh, outside outside um, the clinical aspect too. Let's let's backtrack a little bit. Did you have a particular structure to it when you decided to pick these kind of courses or was it kind of more tele- tailored towards, you know, maybe what your practice was doing? Was it recommended from someone? Yeah, I guess, well, the, the nature of the CPD I've done so far is does cover a lot of the general dental aspects. Um, and, uh, you know, also just didn't have a lot of knowledge in that at that point in time. And I always thought it was interesting. I do enjoy working with, with kids as well. So it's kind of, that kind of works well. Um, and the ACE program that I enrolled in is very, because it covers all aspects of dentistry, that was kind of a nice one to, to go into to get a really, really good foundation more, more than anything else. So it wasn't like I had a specific plan. I just saw, looked at the programs, see, saw who was running them and what I would like about it and then kind of uh, approach it from there. Something that I thought would be practical and useful in every day, you know, especially when you're, you're still pretty new to the game. Mm. So did you, was there a reason you picked an ACE one because it was a bit more structured or did you um, come from, yeah, because the other ones weren't as structured, I mean. Yeah, I mean, the ACE, the ACE program, uh, is, um, if those who don't know, is headed up by Dr. Anthony Mack and Dr. Andrew Chio. And um, uh, Andrew was a mentor of mine, even in, in the uni days as well. So there was, you know, that element of, you know, trusting a, a, a source and, and I've known the way he practices, the type of dentistry he wants to do. So I, you know, figured if he's running a course, it's going to be pretty comprehensive. Um, so that was definitely a pull, a pull factor if I, you know, if I'm being honest. Um, and the fact that, yeah, it was kind of, it seemed to me like the first of its, first of its kind to cover multiple things and have continuing mentorship and following up throughout the year, uh, which has been a great part of the course, especially during, you know, during lockdowns as well. Uh, we've still had engagement with, with the mentors and, you know, um, I'm able to send through cases and stuff and, and discuss um, clinical aspects, you know, even, even during lockdown. So having that additional support, I think was pretty good, especially when you're kind of starting out. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, I was going to ask you with lockdown having in most cases, especially in Melbourne, in your situation, that would have limited a lot of CPD that you would have been able to do during that time. Um, but it sounds like because of this particular structured program that you're in and the ongoing mentorship, it's actually been actually quite helpful. Yeah, well, the, I mean, everyone's kind of had to be adaptable, uh, you know, during this whole pandemic and CPD courses are no, no exception to that. And I think they've done really well, given the circumstances I've been able to do a lot of the practical classes too, especially earlier in the year when Melbourne and, and Sydney were actually doing okay in terms of, um, in terms of lockdowns. Uh, but then they've supplemented that with a lot of online as well. So I guess the beauty of having things like zoom is that you can get a lot of the theoretical knowledge uh, and then just kind of bunch together the practical stuff when we're actually able to do that. So that hasn't affected that experience too much. If anything, they've given us, they've given us more, uh, more time, more information. And uh, uh, the only thing I'd say that the pandemic has affected is the orthodontics course I'm doing progressive orthodontic seminars, because there's practical components to that, but they've now kind of made it, 
it on Zoom as well. And so learning practical orthodontics over Zoom on a 2D screen when we're dealing with 3D objects is, I don't know, it's, it's not ideal, but I guess you're, a, you're given a lifetime of uh, free reset. So I've, um, yeah, I'll probably end up going back sometime in the future just to, just to review some of that stuff. Yeah, well, I think um, I'm seeing programs now are becoming, um, they send out a kit and hopefully, you know, with how things are tracking at the moment, maybe they'll be able to send out a kit so that you can um, work with it and then still do practical whilst having that, you know, um, a virtual um, interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah, they're definitely coming up with inventive ways. So I'm sure it's definitely going to get better over time, but I think it's just a something that all of us have had to deal with um, in the last year and a half. So of the three that you've mentioned so far, um, is or any other ones, what's had the biggest clinical impact um, on your dentistry today? Look, the, the ACE program, because it's about bread and butter dentistry, you know, uh, has probably been the most uh, helpful on a daily basis, the most practical, um, you know, direct restorative, um, you know, learning about aesthetic composite work you know, layering techniques is all, all stuff that I'm, that I'm quite, quite interested in. Uh, and it's stuff that we do every day. So that would have to be just by, by default, you know, one of the, one of the most helpful ones. Another one that I've done a, um, a non-clinical one uh, is actually one on communication. It's a seminar workshop called case presentation by Marianne Soriel. And that actually has been probably up there, you know, equal to the clinical subjects because uh, again, we don't get a lot of communication taught to us in university. And one of the first things to learn in the seminars and workshops is dentistry, at least, you know, in the, in the clinics here in Melbourne, in Australia, you know, it's psychology and you know, we're dealing with patients, you know, patients, uh, you know, feelings, their anxiety towards dental treatment and how to navigate all of that. And, and really one really interesting I found was, you know, I'm doing, spending all this money doing all this CPD, but unless you can actually communicate to the patients clearly and actually get them to accept treatment, I'm never going to be able to practice all of the, all this awesome CPD that I'm doing. So in order to be a great clin- clinician, you kind of first have to be a good communicator. And that's, um, yeah. So I've taken heaps, heaps out of that course too. So that's been, uh, that was really beneficial. Yeah, I definitely think um, communication is definitely a recurring thing for a lot of new graduates coming out. I mean, for us Adelaide graduates, we were pretty lucky during my time when we were going through uni. We had um, someone who, um, her her name was Dr. Vicky Skinner, and she was teaching a lot about communication in Adelaide. But for a lot of us at the time, we weren't really absorbing taking that in. So, I mean, until we graduated and started attending some more of the communication programs, we realized a lot of my friends as well that we actually had some of this and we should have paid a little bit more attention to it. But yeah, communication, definitely. Yeah, 100%. So who would you say has been your biggest mentors or idols or inspirations in your career path so far and why? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Andrew Andrew Chio before, um, just, you know, I met him going through university. He was one of the demonstrators there. And from, yeah, from the first day that he started demonstrating for us, you could see uh, probably the most uh, significant part was how passionate he was about dentistry. Like I've never seen anyone so passionate about it, um, but he's also passionate about teaching, which I think is important too, because he can be a great dentist, a great practitioner, but unless you know how to teach, you know, you can't really bring someone else along with you. So yeah, he would, we'd be seeing a patient and then mid-treatment, he would say to the patient, hey, can I just show you know, the student uh, a presentation? And then he would take us through a composite layering presentation you know, with the patient there. So yeah, really, really great way to inspire people to want to learn. And he's very generous with his time um, and just an incredible clinician. So definitely someone that's impacted me you know, even before graduating, um, Andrew. Another, another person clinically is um, 
I work at um, a clinic in, in Brunswick and Dr. Angelo Soriel is the, is a principal dentist there. And um, so, yeah, it, he's been a, definitely a great mentor, especially over these last, these last six months. Um, I remember at my, when I interviewed for, for the role and the interview started, we both started talking about um, how both of our wives think we're both too addicted to CBD. Um, so we kind of hit it off on, on, on that front, but yeah, every, every day is kind of like a learning experience there at work. And it's always good to have someone give you feedback on your work. He's not, not afraid to tell me if he would have done something differently. And I find having that kind of close mentorship is really beneficial on a daily, daily basis. I guess beyond, you know, beyond dentistry, I mentioned mum before. I mean, she was, um, she had her own denture clinic and she was one of the first dental, female dental prosthetists uh, in, in Victoria. Um, and, you know, that came with its own struggles at the time. And I saw, you know, she'd be doing eight till six, 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. and come home and still did her own lab work, working till 11, 12 p.m. just to get all the work done. And, you know, looking back now, I work, you know, just you know, in the daytime, I don't really work much, much in the night. Uh, it's yeah, kind of inspirational to see how much, despite, you know, extra barriers that she had to go through to, to get you where she got to actually kind of push through. And that determination, I think, is something I've, I've definitely tried to carry over into my practice too. And maybe, um, you know, my, my dad was, my dad's actually a martial artist and, and he practiced at pretty much the highest level that you can. And to see someone really focus and hone their arts is, um, is inspirational too. And, and it's kind of, I've tried to bring that in because dentistry is as much art as it is, as it is science. Um, so I've tried to take a bit of his philosophy and his approach to, uh, to, to dentistry as well. Fair enough. I mean, for some of our viewers, uh, your dad is a social media influencer almost, hey, isn't he? He's showed up on Lad Bible um, from martial arts. He's um, even appeared for Peking Duck. Yeah, that it's kind of one of the positives to come out of the pandemic. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, my my sister and I um, were just joking one day. There was that bottle cap challenge going around um, like eighteen months ago, and we just said to Dad, "Hey, Dad, we know you could kick kick the bottle. Why don't you kick three? It could go viral." I mean, just you know, we just dropped it casually, and he didn't think anything of it, but we made him do it, uh, and then it did go viral. Um, it got like four million views in a couple of days or something, and then since then. My sister kept kept uploading videos of him to TikTok, and then I started uploading his stuff to Instagram. So we both kind of managed one of those for him, and then he just kept having videos um, go viral more and more. And eventually, yeah, the group, the Aussie duo, Peking Duck, got in touch with him, and it all just happened. It, like there was no real intent for that to happen. So it was just one of those nice positives to come out of lockdown. You know, as hard as it was for everyone. Uh, so yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> I don't think he ever thought he anyone ref, would refer to him as as an influencer, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah Melbourne, but, uh, Jackie Chan. <laughs> Melbourne, Jackie Chan. <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, yeah. So that, that's, that, that's been really cool. If you want to check it out, uh, Instagram at the way of Chi, just, uh, and, uh, on TikTok, it's at Zara Liang, which is my, which is my sister's name. Uh, if you, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, I want to come back to these mentors. You know, I think there's a reoccurring theme here. A lot of the people that you kind of associate yourself with, um, that's been a big influence on you are uh, people who are quite passionate about their dentistry, you know, um, for a lot of recent graduates, would you say that, you know, finding who, who kind of struggles sometimes to find some who, if they can find someone who is passionate in dentistry, that will be able to reignite some of that passion. I don't know if that happens with some of your other friends um, maybe, or, who've struggled through dentistry and trying to find someone. 
um, and start to lose that drive and that passion. But, you know, from what I'm hearing that these people who've had a lot of passion for um, the stuff for dentistry um, has been able to keep your passion for it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the inspirational part. Like I always thought that a teacher is someone who obviously understands and knows their craft really well, but is, is still excited by it. And if you surround yourself by people who are as excited about whatever it is you're doing, like in our case, dentistry, then that's, it's infectious in that, in that way. And then it inspires you to want to, even though you're not at their level yet uh, as the level of your mentors, it's, um, it's something that, you know, the key word is yet you want to get there uh, eventually. And so as long as you've got people around who are constantly motivating you, then it's kind of hard to not not be motivated, um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Your mom being a technician, you know, you see her doing all the hard work. For a lot of dentists, they send lab off work and then they just, you know, there's always that disparity between that communication between, you know, understanding what's happening on their end and what you're doing on your end. Um Having come from that kind of background, do you think that's been able to help your understanding of that disparity? Yeah, now I just try to send the lab as much information as possible because I mean I used to even see some of the 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 lab sheets that would come back from um, a dentist to to mum and like you'd be like, well, it's not really clear what they even what they were even asking for. So I think if you try to make the lab's job easier, in the at the end of the day, it's made easier for you too. So I'll typically take photos of of the case and then send it you know with shade tabs and everything if it's if it's for indirect indirect restoration and kind of drawing arrows and stuff to just so they can know as much as possible what i'm trying to what i'm trying to say and i think that's i mean i hope that's appreciated uh, i know mum said she did appreciate if they did that more often i guess back then as well the digital dentistry and photography wasn't um as um it wasn't as available but now it's kind of it's pretty quick pretty quick to do just on the ipad send it through and um yeah, hopefully at the end of the day, it's, it means it's easier for everyone. So you take a photo and then you just kind of annotate it on the photo and then you just send it through as a file or do you kind of get a new piece of paper and then draw it out and then illustrate where you want to? Oh, yeah. So you take a photo on the DSLR, upload it to the iPad and then just on the Sketch app in the iPad and just draw things, send it in the email and just say refer to, I don't know, red arrow pointing there and I want something that looks like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like not every case requires that, but having the ability to do that and making sure nothing gets lost in, in translation or, or anything like that is, is um, quite beneficial. So... Um... Have there been any particular struggles in your CPD journey so far and that some of our viewers might not be aware of? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of talked about it before in terms of, you know, trying to learn a hands-on activity over Zoom is, is, is hard um, with, with the orthodontics course. Like, you know, they, they do their best to, to try and make it happen. But, you know, when they're holding up a model to the screen and then you're trying to hold up your model, but then there's lag in the internet, the, their camera is not as, as clear as your camera, you know, it, it does make it a little bit, a little bit more difficult um, over zoom in terms of other struggles. Uh, not, not, not really in terms of learn the actual CPD content. It's actually been, um, it's actually been really, um, really, really good so far. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of new grads or recent graduate generations right now, you know, with abundant of information online, social media, um, do you think there is, um, it's affected their mindset in terms of having to try to do things a lot quicker? I mean, you've done, like you said, oral surgery, you've done ortho. Do you think that that's had a sort of influence in how you've approached or how quickly you wanted to get through and then learn all of that? Yeah, I guess there's, there is an element of that, of wanting to uh, catch up or just kind of be up to date with everything that everyone's doing. And I think that's a, it's a you can definitely do too much 
um, and kind of stretch yourself too thin. And so I'm trying to have to be careful to not uh, over overdo it. So you can actually focus and uh, on what you're actually learning and not having to think about so many things at once. I think with social media, I mean, it's, it's actually talked about a lot um, that you know, the case that cases that are posted, they look incredible um, and they can make the work you you do feel not not as good um, or a bit inadequate. But I think we don't actually see how many hours were put behind that. Um, and you know, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. And I think you can throw as much money as you like at CPD, but still some of, a lot of it is going to come with the hours that we put in on the handpiece. Um, so I think just have to remind ourselves about that, that, you know, eventually you'll get there just even if it's not yet. Um, and maybe one day you'll be able to do that same aesthetic restoration. So I'm still, still waiting for that day. So, (laughs) So what would you say your current ideal clinical day kind of looks like, you know, the type of procedures that you um, are doing? Yeah. I, I mean, I like variety. Um, still everything at this point is, is interesting. So I guess if I had to pick an ideal day, uh, maybe, you know, seven to nine patients, um, half of it would be restorative, a mixture of direct and indirect restorative, um, maybe the odd extraction and a new patient exam uh, uh, as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of all chucked in with a little bit of ortho would, would, would be nice too. So I find the variety keeps things fresh. It keeps, you know, it's not as monotonous. If you had to just do clean for the entire day or just do extractions for the entire day, I reckon you'd be, be quite tired. But, you know, that, that's for some people. Um, but I, I really enjoy the variety of, of all the aspects of dentistry at the moment. That's good to hear. So even dentures, hey? <laughs> Even dentures. <laughs> so share with us um, what you hope your ideal or uh, clinical or non-clinical day would look like in five years time and what kind of CPT do you want to do to kind of get towards that path? Yeah. I, I mean, in five years time, I, it's a good question. I, I would say maybe, you know, five to six patients, but doing really comprehensive treatment, you know, like whether it be working towards, you know, full mouth rehabilitations, um, you know, doing really, comprehensive treatment that you know you've 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 worked on initial stabilization maybe getting perio under control and eventually progressing that patient who was hesitant about certain treatment to you know doing the comprehensive treatment plan uh, and then actually executing it and i find you know if you're focusing on five or six patients it's i find it easier to focus whereas some people like really you know packed back-to-back books and just churning through i kind of yeah like to be yeah a bit more focused on on less if 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 that makes sense kind of less is more in that sense, uh, CPD wise, you know, I haven't really, um, dabbled in implants, but everyone I've spoken to about that has said, you know, you don't, you shouldn't dabble with implants. You really need to dive, dive in. Um, it's not, you know, that's safe for you, safe for the patient to do it properly. So, you know, I'll probably give I'm probably a couple of years away of, of trying to begin that, that journey, but that's something I see myself doing later down, later down the track. Um, what, what structure or form that's in, whether that's, you know, a, a structured university diploma or, or, you know, a well-reputable, a well-known reputable program. Uh, it'll be one of those, one of those two, I, I, I imagine, but I think that'd be, I'd like to incorporate that into, into my daily, daily workflow as well, uh, down the track though. Yeah. So how about non-clinical side of things? What do you want to do in five years time? Uh, you just mean outside of dentistry in general? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy playing, um, really enjoy playing music, playing guitar, writing music. My wife and I, we perform at weddings, weddings together. Uh, so it's kind of a nice, um, nice break from dentistry as much as I love it. You got to have, you got to do something else as well. It can't be everything. Uh, so yeah, de- job, hopefully we keep playing music, maybe buy a couple of extra guitars, 
um and uh, I, I you know still still keep up with the um with the podcast uh, as well as i love talking about dentistry even when i'm not in the clinic so it's just uh i like kind of interested in a lot of things so but those are the main things that i'd be doing outside of outside of dentistry i'd say yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you wait a little bit longer, all your friends around you might start to get married and then you might be performing at a lot of dental um, related weddings. All right. Yeah. So another way to tie <laughs> dentistry into my, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. I'll have to, I'll have to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you did some dental volunteering in Vietnam. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I, was, I was actually in my final year of dental school um, and um, uh, myself and uh, two other students got to go on a, on a volunteering trip and it was actually headed up by, um, some of you listeners may know, Dr. Adrian Dang and Dr. David Trin. Um, and it's basically a program where you go to rural, regional areas of Vietnam and you treat um, kids that don't have access to general dental treatment. Um, so typically the ages are about 10 to 12, you know, that primary school, just before high school kind of age. And you're, you're treating kids in uh, who you know have really high caries rate, a lot of you know, not not a lot of access to to fluoride, to fluoridated toothpaste and oral hygiene products that we take for granted. And the type of dentistry you're doing is a lot of ART, so a lot of GIC, silver diamine fluoride, and and pretty far pretty fast paced too. Like there's a lot of kids to get through, but incredible experience especially when doing it as a student like you get back and you just feel so much more confident because you've just gone through so many you know um, preparations removing carries and it just becomes a bit more second nature um and part of that program too was oral health education so we spent time with the kids and pretty amazing how even though you know i don't speak i don't speak vietnamese but you're still able to i guess human to human you're able to have that connection um and the non-verbal language that 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 we all that we all share it's amazing that could still come through in a clinical setting it was a little bit daunting at the start you know you've got a 12 year old boy that doesn't speak any english i don't really speak any vietnamese uh, but still managed to get through a procedure you know do five or six restorations um and so it kind of showed really um showed me how much we take for granted the materials and the access i've never missed rubber dams so much in my life than there because like we didn't have a proper suction unit the the suction was they would you know bend over and they would um uh, bend over the side and spit out you know the saliva and the contaminants uh instead of actually having a suction unit so yeah it's just you know not ideal working conditions but you tried to make the best of the situation and um yeah it's um it was a really really good experience wow yeah i mean i i was able to do a bit of that as well um in cambodia in my final year as well and definitely i think the language barrier is um one of the hurdles, but to see the cultural difference in how they tolerate um, whether you do something without LA um, or just the mindset. And they're just so happy that we're there to kind of help them is definitely one of the eye-opening experiences. I think um, any student or dentist can experience. Um, and if they do get the opportunity after this whole COVID situation, I definitely would recommend that too. Yeah, I, I found that too. I, when I was first told that we do deep restorations without local anesthetic, I didn't believe them. Um, but it turns out that it was that way because the kids were more scared of the needle than they were scared of the pain of removing a deep, curious restoration. So that that just blew my mind. These kids are so brave. And it, when you kind of came back here and then you see the kids complaining about just to clean, you kind of, you know, it makes, it makes you wonder. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, doesn't it? 
Well, um, Dr. Jesse Lang, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get you back in the future after a few more years um, and then talk about how things um, you could compare to back to now. Um, if you could let the people know how they can reach out to you or kind of what's kind of going on in your life. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I've run my own podcast called the Donta Jam Podcast, so you can check it out on Instagram at Donta Jam or you know Apple Music and, and Spotify as well. Uh, basically, just talking to you know a lot of people who have been my mentors um, and a lot of people in the industry. And uh, what I've just found is people in our profession we're really incredibly fortunate. Everyone's happy to share about things that they've learned and things um, that they think will be useful to other people. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. I started that in lockdown last year, which was really fun. Um, I also play, um, upload music and stuff that I write too. So if you're interested in that, you can have a look at, at Jesse Liang Music. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks for having me on, um, Lawrence. It's, uh, it's been really great. No, it's been good. Yeah, I've been loving your uh, podcast as well. You're into your second season at the moment. So is that right? Yes, yeah, second season. Yeah, so um, yeah, season one last year, season two this year. Um, one one every month. Um, try to balance that CBD and work. So, um, but no, it's been, it's been fun. I, I do enjoy it. You're a hustler at heart. I can see that already. It runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lawrence. All right. Well, have a good evening, hey. You too. Take care. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends, and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.